the volume. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country black buffalo tobacco alternative bold flavor full pouches Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch garage and the car inside and without the right home and auto insurance coverage the cost to repair this could eat up your savings so bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. Live and in charge from the greater Bay Area where we got football we got football, and we got more football coming. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Share it with your friends. Some people of you guys DM me, where was the golf pod? We didn't do the go low pod this week. My voice, still struggling. I, I needed to save it. Football is just too important this time of year. I don't know if you checked. It's the playoffs. Uh, so I, I just, I, I we'll be back next week. But uh, also, we got a lot coming up. Some stuff on Belichick, some stuff on Belichick's guys. Cowboys and Mike McCarthy, uh, some of my thoughts on this weekend, and then we'll dive into something actually interesting on Will Anderson at Alabama. I, I think it's a it's a conversation that's coming. Of course, Brandon Staley, I, I saw something that I, I couldn't let pass. He had a quote. I mean, he had, he had a couple doozies, but he had a quote that I went, oh my God, here we go again. And of course, at John Middlecoff is, uh, is the Instagram you slide up into those DMs and you get your question answered at the end of the show, Middlecoff Mailbag. It's very, very easy. But we, before we dive into the weekends, games, and some of the matchups, Mac Jones, McCarthy, I wanted to start with two Belichick guys. Two young Belichick, quote-unquote, stars. Now, I hate lumping these two together because one guy struggled to win any games, Joe Judge. And one guy, Brian Flores, won 19 games the last two years. So just the two humans in their two industries don't have that much in common. The most important thing that we judge you on, wins and losses. But I've read a lot of articles about Brian Flores. Just because Judge, when you play in New York, even for guys that don't live, that live on the West Coast, it was just, I, I consumed a lot of his content. You know, Flores, beside just whether they won or lost, I didn't follow like the way he coached or the stories about him. Obviously, there was the elephant in the room of, the Herbert Tua situation, but just the inner workings of the operation. And one thing I've read some several articles about Brian Flores, about how angry the guy was and how people in the building were always on edge when he was coming around. And when you read about Brian or Joe Judge, same type thing. Assistant coaches were walking on eggshells. And listen, to coach football, there is a sternness, there is a seriousness and there is an element whenever you screw up that coaches, coaching you hard sometimes can come off as anger or creating tension or making people uncomfortable. That's part of the business. But one thing that I've really struggled with, like I understand why Bill Parcells, who was born in the 30s, and by the time he was like 10 years old, World War II had just happened. Belichick and Saban are 70 years old. They were born, when they were 10 years old, World War II happened 12 years ago. Saban's dad owned a gas station in West Virginia. Like, times weren't great. I got news for you. The 50s and the 60s, my parents were both born in the 40s. My dad's brother died in Vietnam. Times were a little bit tougher in the middle of the century than they are for, I don't know, guys like me, Joe Judge, and Brian Flores. You know why? We were born in the 80s. 
Times have been pretty fucking good. I do not understand how guys that grew up on Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, and booming economies, both these guys, like when Belichick got into the business in 1975, there wasn't much money going around. You didn't get into football for the cash. These guys, before they became head coaches, they were millionaires. Because do you know what you get paid to be a defensive coordinator or a special teams coordinator in the NFL? Seven figs. You make a lot of money. These guys are very, very wealthy. How are they so young and so angry all the time? Now, Brian Flores is what he did clearly worked much better than Joe Judge. Of course it did. Joe Judge can't coach offense or defense. There's a reason when Joe Judge, and listen, I think Joe Judge was completely over his head. I don't believe that about Brian Flores. I think Brian Flores is ready to be a head coach. He proved that. Someone should hire him. But both these guys, for whatever reason, couldn't get along with people in their building. Assistant coaches, players, like the evidence is out. Like we're seeing it. These articles are coming out. They didn't just randomly get fired. That's not the way it works. Even Miami, who's Steven Ross, I'm not acting like he's, you know, the greatest owner of all time, but they had an issue there and they sided with the general manager. And let's face it, sometimes these things, that the way they play out, it's hard to know all the details, but these two guys struggled to make people like them. They were just super angry. I understand when 60 and 70 year old coaches are angry. Mike Zimmer, Bruce Arians, they got an edge to them. They lived through a lot. They've seen a lot. Their generation tends to be a little angrier. I don't understand. Like, I get why loser guy on Twitter, 35-year-old whose life sucks, who doesn't have any money, wants everyone else to be miserable with them. I get it. These guys, their life's great. They're rich. They're successful. Why? How can they? Are they faking it? Are you really that angry every single day? Because I watch Kyle Shanahan's crew, uh, Sean McVay, even Kyle himself. Uh, I saw this interview he did with Mike Mike McDaniel, kind of went viral. He's interviewing for Miami. Obviously, even LaFleur, who I also say has a little edge to him. They are much happier of a crew. I get why Belichick and Saban are mad. Now, those two guys, Flores, worked his entire career for Belichick. Joe Judge worked for Saban and Belichick. Do these guys just see that guy? And go, I'm going to copy what they do. I'm going to just act every day like it's the worst day of my life. Because that's what it feels like. It doesn't make that much sense to me. You have to be true to yourself. Now, if you truly are a miserable SOB, 24-7, 365, then I guess that's who you are. But I find it difficult to be that mad when you're that young and that successful. And your life has been that much better than the people of generations before you. You don't have that much in common. They just missed World War II. You were born into the MTV generation. Our lives do not parallel each other. They actually have nothing in common. They, they really don't. Back in their day, you could buy a sweet home for like 40 grand. Ch- check Zillow right now. You ain't sniffing that, obviously. So I, I think these guys both need to look themselves in the mirror and go, there is nothing wrong with being stern. And if you're not Pete Kale or Andy Reid, you don't need to be pretend you're happy. But you can't be angry every single day when you're 40 years old and you were born in 1982. Because if I'm a 26-year-old player, I look at you, I go, you can't be this mad. No fucking way on God's green earth. It's not possible. I understand how Belichick's a curmudgeon or Zimmer's a curmudgeon. I get it. Hell, Mike McCarthy has a famous story when he was getting into coaching. He was he worked a toll booth at night to pay the rent because he was an unpaid intern, I think, at the University of Pittsburgh. Like, that's hard. You know, it's probably hard in the late 70s, early 80s. These guys, when they were coming to their owners, like the late 90s, both you guys played Division I football. One thing these guys, and listen, Joe Judge has a lot longer. Joe Judge needs to learn a side of the ball. You need to be able to coordinate, bro. Flores can't. So I, I, I'm not trying to lump these two together in terms of success. Flores was dramatically more successful than Joe Judge. But I will lump these guys together. It feels like they're copying their mentor, and their mentor is the same guy. Their mentor's grumpy, but he's old. But he's also successful. It works. You can't be grumpy as a young guy. When I see a grumpy 38-year-old, I run the other way. 
When I see a grumpy 70 year old, I go, oh, there's my, there's my guy like my dad. <laughs> you know, I'm used to that generation. We understand it. There's a big difference. And people, and especially players and your scouts, your, you know, the people working for you, they understand. You're going to have bad days. You're going to be pissed off. There's nothing wrong with that. You're allowed to be mad, but you can't be mad every day. It's impossible. It's like Joe Judge. They paid you $15 million to go away. How could you possibly be mad? You were making millions of dollars every year. Now your team sucks. You're mad after a loss. No problem. But to be that angry all day, every day, I, I, it just blows me away. I, I, I cannot relate. And you know who else can't relate? Some players. They, they, they don't think it's real. And we have a long line now of Belichick guys, executives too. Scott Pioli did this when he went to Kansas City. Mangini did this crap. Josh McDaniels did it when he go to Denver. It turns people off. The reason it works for Bill Belichick, because that's truly who he is. No one would ever dispute it. I've known countless people that work for him. This is not an act. It does feel like with Flores and definitely would judge that it's an act. And the moment you put on an act, when you're the leader of a group, whether it's 10 people you know, in a classroom or whether it's 53 guys, a coaching staff, and a scouting staff, you get sniffed out. And the moment you get sniffed out, people turn on you. And both these two guys, a long history of Belichick guys, they get turned on because they don't think that's actually you. Like the reason, like watching LaFleur or even Sean McVay, everyone was shitting on Sean McVay for going to party in the end zone last week uh, against the 49ers. Here's what I'll say. I don't love it. You know, I, I, I like my coach to be a little more even keel. When I, Coach Reed, you don't, he doesn't act, touchdown, bad play. He acts the same. I think Kyle Shanahan's personality is much closer to his, you know, and like Belichick's. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. But Sean is true to himself. Sean's very, honestly, if I was a head coach, not that I ever could be, or I would have the capability to do, I would probably end up being more like Sean McVay. I'm just, I'm an emotional guy. I would celebrate too. But at least that's him. At least he's being real. And I, I think that's a problem that these Belichick guys completely they just struggle to be themselves, and they get themselves in trouble, even when they're having success, like Brian Flores, who's crushing it. Now, maybe I'm overthinking this, and it was simple. Brian Flores wanted to get the hell out of there. Who would want to be tied to Tua? Wouldn't blame him. If that's the actual truth, he was being a dick on purpose, and he's actually not even like that. Then I'll be like, hey, listen, I was wrong. I don't know. You know, he was there three years, clearly rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, and I, I just, you can't be that angry if you're not actually that angry. And if you're born in the mid 80s and you've been making now seven figs for a while, I'm calling bullshit. Uh, speaking of Belichick, he's got a pretty big game this week uh, playing Sean McDermott. And I think all the pressure's on Sean McDermott. He has the better team. He has the by far the superior quarterback. He's hosting the game. And Belichick doesn't have that much to lose. But the one thing that is interesting about this game is his quarterback. And the one thing he does have to lose is, I think we can start, you know, putting some value on, is his quarterback going to be good enough to get them over the hump in some of these big games moving forward? Mac Jones from Jacksonville, Florida. I've been there a couple times. Beautiful weather. Alabama in the South. Do you notice the games in the SEC never look like the games in the Big Ten in November? Good weather. Good golf weather, actually. It has a lot of parallels to us out on the West Coast. It's why so many people are moving there. What the, the great resignation, everyone's packing up and leaving New York City, California, headed to the south. Cheap real estate prices, good weather. Now, you get hurricanes and stuff, which, I listen, I, I wouldn't want the hurricanes, but you don't play in inclement weather. And he was able to win that game in Buffalo several weeks ago wearing the scuba suit, but he only had to throw it three times. That's not normal. That's not realistic. You are In, in playoff games, the things that define you is on second and eight and third and nine, can you win? That's ultimately why you pay these guys huge money at quarterback. And I don't trust Mac Jones in this game at all. It's actually why I love Buffalo. And if you think about the last two quarterbacks the Patriots have had, obviously they had Tom for 19, 20 years. And before that, they had Drew Bledsoe for a long time. What do both those guys have in common? They had massive arms. Because you know why you need a massive arm? The AFC is actually much closer to the Big Ten than the NFC. Think about the NFC. The Niners, good weather. 
The Rams, dome. Cowboys, dome. Arizona, dome. Packers, one bad weather team. Bears rarely make the playoffs. The NFC has just been terrible. The NFC East has been terrible. And then the NFC South, you know, Tampa, <clears throat> pretty good weather, you know, year round. So when I think the AFC, I think Kansas City, I think New England, I think Baltimore, I think Pittsburgh, now Buffalo every year. It is a cold weather place. And to win in cold weather environments, you have to have a big arm. It's really the one downfall of Peyton Manning. I think he got in trouble throughout his career, something he couldn't control. When you play in 10 degrees, it's harder to be pinpoint accurate when the wind's pumping and it's cold. Where Brady's ball just zipped right through the wind. And Mac Jones doesn't have a great arm. Now, they're going to try to win it with defense and the running game. And that's how they're built right now. But Mac Jones' arm is not going to dramatically change over time. His arm is what it is. So, if they lose this game, which I expect them to lose, I just wonder, like, they've invested in this guy. He's not going anywhere. But how are they going, like, how is Belichick going to get back to winning playoff game? We see this year, he's a really good coach. One of the, I mean, he's the best ever, but even with the team that, you know, it's pretty solid, he's going to win 10, 11 games. But ultimately to him, his goal is going to be to win in January. And I think it's going to be very, very difficult. Because even if they host games, let's say they had won the division, it's not like New England's 50 degrees. So I, it's something to keep an eye on this week is Mac Jones, the arm strength. I, I, I went to weather.com and I was alerted to this by a fan. They're like, Google Orchard Park at night Saturday. Supposed to be single digits. Cold rain. Let's go to the Cowboys. Mike McCarthy. They had an awesome season. 12-5, and five, especially everything that happened last year. Mike Nolan, Dak Prescott shattered ankle. It was a big deal to not only make the playoffs, to host a playoff game, get this momentum. They, they drafted this star rookie linebacker pass rusher. It was cool. I mean, their, their team is fun. But when you go 12-5 and five and you host a playoff game and your owner is Jerry Jones and he's not getting any younger, there is dramatic pressure on you to win the game. Here's the curveball, though, with this team. Mike McCarthy is a CEO head coach. He doesn't call the offense, and as we well know, he has nothing to do with the defense. Well, both of his coordinators, Dan Quinn is currently the betting favorite to become the next head coach of the Denver Broncos. General Patton, as I call him, George Patton, uh, their new GM, worked with him in Miami. Because I was like, what is their connection? They worked in Miami in like 05, and everyone in that area predicts Dan Quinn to be the next head coach of the Denver Broncos. So a guy that helped resurrect their defense, he's gone. Kellen Moore is going to interview with four or five different places. There is a very good chance. I don't know if he leaves, but he gets offered a job. So they could lose both coordinators this offseason. If I'm Jerry Jones, if I'm going to keep Mike McCarthy, <clears throat> because money means nothing to me anymore. You know, they, they do not. Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Chase Bank does not follow you when you pass away. They are not standing there at the funeral. You do not get to take all your money with you. So if you got to write a $30 million check to Mike McCarthy to go away, to elevate Kellen Moore, help Dan Quinn, whatever, you have to think about it if he can't win this game. Do I think it's must win for Mike McCarthy? Not necessarily. But I do think if you lose this game and Kyle Shanahan punks you, and if you're Jerry Jones, you're going, well, I'm going to lose both my coordinators. I have this really talented team. Why don't I just keep one of these coordinators? Because it happened a long time ago. And I'm not saying Kellen Moore is Sean Payton. But they had Sean Payton on staff with an old Bill Parcells. Now, obviously, Bill Parcells, even at an older age, we would all take over Mike McCarthy. But I think Jerry would have to at least have a serious conversation with Steven and some of his inner circle. Is Mike McCarthy the guy to do this? Because as you look, they took advantage of the NFC East, and there's nothing wrong with that. They went 6-0 in that, in that division. But if you can't win a playoff game at home, against a team where you're favored, uh, against a team that had to win in overtime just to get into the playoffs, when you're going to lose both your coordinators, who, let's face it, might be more valuable around the league. Like, if you just had a draft, you can have Kellen Moore, Dan Quinn, Mike McCarthy, with every team not named the Cowboys. Well, who would most people be interested in? I would imagine Mike would be last. I, I really would. And listen, I, I'm not a Mike McCarthy hater, I'm not exactly Aaron Rodgers when it comes to the way I view Mike McCarthy, but I also question, like, he just kind of roams around on the sideline. He's not great at clock management. 
He's not calling the plays anymore. So what's he really doing? Well, the one thing he should be doing is like motivating, getting ready for guys to go into battle, getting ready guys to go into the biggest game of the year. And that's this. That's for all the marbles. You're at home. I think there is, I don't think it's even close. Nobody, nobody has more pressure on him this week as a head coach. Even Sean McDermott playing, and he loses to Belichick, like a lot of people lost to Belichick. You're going to lose to Kyle Shanahan at home when his team was just, I mean, holding on for dear life. Now, obviously the Niners are very talented, but I, I would have a hard time finding a way to seeing that age well. Let's tell you about my friends at FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. To celebrate, FanDuel Sportsbook is giving all the customers up to $100 bonus on same-game parlays. Just place the same-game parlay on any super wildcard weekend game and get a bonus whether you win or lose. Here's what I like. I'm thinking the first game of the weekend, Bengals-Raiders. They have this guy named Joe Burrow. Here's what I'm going to do. I am going to... Take the Raiders to cover, plus five and a half. I'm going to take Joe Burrow to go over his passing yards. And I'm also going to parlay it with the over-under, which is 49. And I'm going to take the under. So I like the Raiders to cover. I like Joe Burrow to go over his passing yards. And I like the total to be under. I'm going to parlay that bad boy. And I'm going to make some money. Log on to FanDuel Sportsbook to unlock your same-game parlay bonus today. Plus, if it's your first time betting with FanDuel, you can also enjoy 30 to 1 odds on any team in the wild card to win after using the promo code Colin. You can turn a $5 bet into $150. Remember, use the promo code Colin so they know we sent you. Exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and present in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund $10. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Same game parlay available for multiple sports in all states on mobile and web. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Michigan, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789, Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Okay, I, I, I don't make a point to talk about this guy every week, but I saw something and I'm like, ah, Brandon Staley strikes again. I, I, I knew he would have some doozies as a season-ending presser. Uh, 
you know, it's just, it's always something with the guy. He said he cried watching Mike Williams' performance. He, he's always got a couple good zingers to make the media go, this guy is such a special individual. Uh, but this is something that he said that just made me uh, want to throw up in my mouth. This is a direct quote, Chargers head coach Brandon Staley. When asked if he thought he did a good job, he said, I coordinated as well as I ever have in terms of planning and preparation and game day. And I feel like you have to look at the process over results. And you're always improving, and that's what's going to happen in all these phases. The key thing that he said there was, you have to look at the process over results. And I was thinking about this. The the word, the process, has really become in vogue, right? And I I think that stems from Nick Saban. Saban's process. If If you're lucky enough to talk to someone that has been there, it's fascinating the way they do things. Every day is mapped out 365. That He knows exactly what he's doing. And all the guys that work for him, whether it's Mario, whether it's Lane, Sark, Mel Tucker, uh, million names. I'm leaving them all out. Copy them and it works. It is a tried and true formula. And they hammer that home. The process, the process, the process. You know, Tiger Woods talked about it forever. His process of getting ready for tournaments, leading up to tournaments, his practice schedule. And the reason that we... I think as sports fans, I think this works in business too. If if Jeff Bezos wrote a book just about his process to be successful, it would immediately be one of the number one bestsellers. But do you know why the guys like that say Saban or Tiger or Bezos or Brady or whoever, Belichick, when they talk about their process getting ready for the game, the match, the tournament, the meeting matters? Because the ultimate result of what happens because of that process. They win. Football is a bottom line business. No one, I repeat, no one gives a shit about your process when you lose. And Saban lost the other night, but his resume speaks for itself. Brandon, you've coached one year as a head coach. Your defense was abysmal, atrocious, just uh, people went, ran right through it every single week. And and the media is going to eat that up. Oh, Brandon Staley and his process. What do you mean the process? That he gets to take his kids to ice cream on wild card weekend when the Raiders are playing? You are judged in the NFL on wins and losses. Period, point blank, end of story. That There is no question. You can't, if you're a sales guy listening to this and you miss your quota three straight months and you looked at your boss and you went, I'm telling you, I did a better job in my sales calls, in my sales meetings than I ever had in my life. And he looks at you and he goes, well, James or Bill or John, you haven't sold anything in nine months. So whatever the hell you're doing is not working. Like Brandon, your process this year was a complete failure because your process had nothing to do with Justin Herbert, who had an unreal year. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. We know you're the defensive coordinator. You're not coaching offense. And Justin Herbert was good before he got there. But to hammer something home like that, it, it, it sounds great. Makes for a great quote. But it's just kind of embarrassing. That's the type of stuff why all the people that I know in the NFL make fun of this guy. Because they're judged, do you win or do you lose? That's all that matters especially on a team with talent, right? There, there's Dan Campbell and stuff like that. The process, maybe with Dan Campbell and some of these bad teams do matter. Casario's doing with Houston, trying to build it up. I, I get it. They, they were trying to make the playoffs. So your process, the result mattered. The, there was only one desired result. That was to get into the playoffs. And you didn't do it. Like the re, Again, the reason we talk about Nick Saban's process over and over and over again because he's won seven fucking national championships. Seven. He wins the SEC West every year. It's because of the results. No one cares about the process of unsuccessful people. Maybe you do. You just try to do the opposite. (laughs) You know, the the process only matters when success is at the end. So this, that's just an embarrassing quote. And that's something you say when you don't really know what you're doing. So I, I just, I can't get over the things this guy says. It just, it's never ending. It, it, and I, I still can't get over going for it at the only 18 yard line. That, that is, that was a fireable offense. It's funny when I had this clip 
that the volume put out about, I, I said that I thought it was a fireable offense if he didn't win the game with the Raiders. And every single comment was just, you know, it must have been Charger fans blogs calling me a village idiot and saying, what am I? I don't know what I'm talking about. It's like, well, yeah, you see, you lost. Now you're at home. That's why you're the Chargers. Uh, let's talk about something more positive. Some things I'm excited to see this weekend. I do think this first matchup is really cool. You get this just absolute shooting star in Joe Burrow. Uh, hosting a playoff game, won the AFC North, which I'd say going into the season looked like one of the best divisions on paper, against Derek Carr, which is really one of the better stories of the league. He's waited eight, nine years to make the playoffs because the one year that the Raiders did make the playoffs, he shattered his ankles against the Colts. He has this interim coach. No one thinks they can win. I'm excited to just watch these two guys play. You know, they played earlier this season. Uh, it was a close game in the fourth quarter, 16-3. to Burrow did miss Jamar Chase a couple times deep in that game. It, it, you know, I, it's weird. Like the score, the final score wasn't quite as indicative of what we witnessed, but it could have actually been much worse. I do think the Raiders have a lot of momentum on their side and the, the Bengals and Zach Taylor haven't proven anything to just lock them up. Now, I I kind of, and listen, maybe I'm a, I'm a sap for a, a good story. I kind of like the Raiders in this spot. I, I think Derek's going to play really well. Now, the one thing that would be a little concerning, like Mac Jones, even though Derek's been in the league much longer and played in cold games, historically he hasn't been a great cold weather player. Now, you know, 20 degrees, whatever, it's just, it's cold. I mean, this this is playoff football in the AFC North. It's freezing. I mean, for me, I, I, I wouldn't last. I was thinking about this the other day. Like, if someone invited me to go to a playoff game at Lambeau, what would I say? I'd be like, you know... I might make an excuse. I would love, I've never been to Lambeau. But if I was going to go to Lambeau, and you call me a softie, I think I would head there in September. I think I would head there in, you know, October. I think like past early November, it's probably not for me. But for football players, that's this is when you make your money in these cold weather places. Now, you'd also say, I guess Joe Burrow is from Ohio. But, uh, and he's played, he's now been in Cincinnati for a couple years, even though he didn't finish last year because of the injury. But I, I, I'm very, very excited to watch this game. And talking about Mac Jones, I think it's fair to say that it's going to be hard for the Patriots to score points. Well, Josh Allen just kind of eviscerated the hoodie uh, with that game a couple weeks ago that essentially won them the division in Foxborough, right? It gave them the upper hand, and then they you know, were able to just control their own destiny on Week 18. Bill Belichick has some of the greatest game plans. You could argue the greatest game plans in the history of the league. He's done it in New England. He did it with the New York Giants. I would never, ever discount a guy to have, you know, Mike Mussina, Clayton uh, Clayton Kershaw-level curveballs. I guess Mussina had the knuckle curve, but ready for Josh Allen. Now, Josh Allen, when you have a guy that is that talented, right, and you see this with Herbert, you see this with Mahomes, sometimes a good game plan, they can break it. It's like in basketball, they say good offense always beats good defense. You can lock me up, but if I get my jumper off, and I'm Michael Jordan, or I'm LeBron James, or I'm Steph Curry. That thing's going in. Nothing but net, baby. <clears throat> a great quarterback. You can call the perfect coverage. The, the defensive back can be in the perfect spot, and I can just throw the perfect ball. And Josh Allen, his arm strength, his athletic ability. Uh, I, I'm fascinated to watch the hoodie versus Josh Allen 3.0. Because if the hoodie can, I would say, stifle and neutralize Josh Allen, I, we'd have a game on our hands. I just think it's going to be very, very difficult. Because uh, not that I'm in total trust of Josh Allen, that you can just lock him in 300 yards, a couple touchdowns, he's just going to dominate every playoff game. But I, I'm actually relative. My confidence level on him going into a playoff game, even against Bill, because he plays Bill so much, that helps, right? This is not an uncommon opponent. This is a this is a player who's used to seeing, and Belichick's basically been their coordinator since Flores left for years now. He is used to seeing Bill Belichick call defenses against him. I think it could be very intimidating. Like if the hoodie was playing Joe Burrow, that, that would be hard, right? He he could throw some curveballs at him. He wouldn't see. I bet hoodie's thrown a lot of stuff already at Josh Allen. So I, I'm very, very excited to watch this schematic matchup. And then Nick Sirianni. It's funny. Uh, I, I had someone text me. It's like, remember when uh, everyone acted like Sirianni was the village idiot because he didn't talk well in pressers? And everyone loved Brandon Staley because he was so elegant in pressers. One guy's in the playoffs, the other guy's at home. 
if Nick Sirianni, Nick Sirianni also, the difference between the, the Chargers and the Eagles, the Chargers quarterback can throw. The, the Eagles quarterback's a runner. He can't really throw. If Sirianni can keep the Eagles in this game in the second half, that's an incredible accomplishment. Especially because their greatest attribute is their running game. And their running game has been awesome. The second half of the season, they have sliced and diced teams. Jalen's played a big role in that. Their running backs have been awesome. Uh, Their offensive line just mauls people. It's hard to maul Tampa Bay. They got some big boys up front. And I I would expect them to maybe not be at 2020 form, but they're going to be tough to run against. So if he can scheme some runs... Because they have to be able to scheme the run and they have to get in manageable situations. Jalen Hurts is not going to beat you on third and 10. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Peyton Manning. He's not Aaron Rodgers. If they're in third and 10s all game long and second and long, they're going to lose. I mean, they're probably going to lose no matter what, but they'll get destroyed. If he can keep them in second and manageable and third and manageable, they at least have a chance to keep it respectable. And if you can stay respectable with the defending champs uh, when everyone picked you to be terrible, that, that, that is an awesome season. That being said, uh, it's I, I have a hard time seeing Tampa Bay not winning this game. Last thing, because I, I've seen this up there, and I've actually been thinking about this. Will Anderson, number 31 for Alabama, who is a true sophomore, if he was draft eligible, he would be the number one overall selection in the 2022 NFL draft. I don't even think it would be close. He would go ahead of, I, I'd take Hutchinson over Kayvon, he would go ahead of both those guys. I don't even you wouldn't even have to hesitate. He's the best player in college football by a wide margin. But he's not draft eligible. And I go back and forth with the opt I, I opt out of a bowl game, whatever. We've never see, really seen guys opt out of the season until last year, and I don't really count that. The reason Panay Sewell opted out of the season is the Pac 12 wasn't going to play football. The reason that Micah Parsons opted out of the season with Penn State is the Big Ten like the Pac-12. We're not going to play football. Jamar Chase, little ahead of the curve, realized LSU was a sinking ship. He's like, I'm out. But some of the guys that opted out in the Pac-12 in the Big Ten, their conferences were not going to play. They were not the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 that said they were all in. Well, we know the SEC loves football and they're playing COVID, no COVID. It ain't, it doesn't matter. They're playing football. The one thing though I do wonder is there going to be some more quarterbacks in the 2023 draft. And I've tried to wrestle with, there should be some sort of committee, because I I don't believe that sophomores in football should just be able to be eligible. I like the way it is. Most of them are not ready. But there is a small percentage of outliers, and Will Anderson would fall under that, that if you're a 100% first-round pick, maybe a top-20 pick, you should be able to go pro. Because if Will Anderson could go pro, he would, I'm sure. Because he would be big number one, $38 million, but he can't. So now he wrestles with, what do I do? And I'm not even saying he's wrestling with this, but this conversation is going to happen. Should he play in 2022? And I always struggle with this. The media always has opinions. Like, unless you're like Adam Schefter or Colin Coward and you're making seven figures, most media members, especially if you're a writer, like you're not making that much money. Who are you? And listen, I I don't care how much money you make, but if you're going to give someone advice that's going to make $10 million a year, how does that guy get advice from someone making 80 grand? So if I'm Will Anderson, like I don't care what the media says. But I do wonder that we're going to be a team that's going to be in all these physical games because that's the way we play. The SEC is naturally physical. Should I consider opting out? Because the practices, the games, like, Every time that I play, I risk a Jalen Smith-level injury. Remember, that derailed the guy's career. Now, he ended up getting lucky that Jerry Jones had a soft spot and he got some money, but he would have been a 15-year pro. That I, I do understand that if, if, the, if it comes out that Will Anderson is contemplating sitting out the season, I, I would get it. But I will also understand if he wants to play. Because you know what's fun to do as a player? Play football, especially if you're a good player. You know why? Because you kick the shit out of people you're playing. You watch him the other night, he's tossing guys left and right, making tackles all over the place. Here's the other thing. In any profession, at the highest level, and I remember when Colin said this about John Gruden, and his number one logic of shorting John Gruden when he came back to the Raiders is, in what profession that is highly competitive can you take a decade off and come back and be good? And he was dead right. John Gruden was kind of overwhelmed, just wasn't that good. And maybe he was overrated to begin with, 
But it was clear, like, you can't take that much time off, even in football. But iron sharpens iron. You get better by doing whatever you do. And it's hard to train, you know, now, but there are examples last year. Micah Parsons took the season off, came Defensive Player of the Year. Jamar Chase took the season off. Like, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer to this. Now, people that have been around Alabama will always say they've never had an opt-out. I don't think they've ever had a guy miss a bowl game. But this guy, even with Bryce Young, like, I don't think it'll be a question because quarterbacks, not really in harm's way. Like, you don't play George's defense very often. I bet there were several games this year where he didn't get touched. But I think with Will Anderson, when you play in the trenches and you have so much money on the line, obviously Bryce does too with C.J. Stroud, but I... I I, I do think it's it's going to be a tough question. I, I mean, listen, as of right now, I expect him to play. But if a story comes out that he's contemplating it, I, I would completely understand. Okay, we had some breaking news uh, just, just a couple minutes ago. David Culley, the Houston Texans, former head coach, he got fired. David Culley, who was a Texans coach, they just fired him. And I look on the internet and I see everyone freaking out like, I can't believe that the Houston Texans fired David Culley. And I'm thinking to myself, are we living in the same world? What do you, you can't, surprise, remember when they hired David Culley? People were like, they're hiring who? What are they doing? They hired David Culley to literally get them through the mud and the muck. And you know the best part about being put in these shitty situations? One, no one forces you to do it. No one forced David Culley to be the head coach of the Houston Texans. But do you know why he did it? As Pelissaro just tweeted, and I, listen, I'm not, Tom has more contacts in the league than me and says he's owed $22 million. I don't necessarily believe that because Adam Schefter reported that he only signed a two-year deal, basically two years of guaranteed money. Well, the two years, let's even say if it was $5 million a year, David Kelly was probably making a million dollars as like a, you know, assistant passing game coordinator. I worked with David Kelly in Philadelphia. Very, very nice to me. Very good guy. He was a good wide receiver coach. He was older at the time. You know, that was a decade ago. A little less than that. And never once in my mind did I envision him being an offensive coordinator, let alone a head coach. The simple reality was if the Houston Texans weren't in the shittiest of shit spots, they never would have hired David Culley just to even be in the situation. David Culley was never going to be a head coach. No one complains more about millionaires being paid millions to go away than the internet. It's just so clueless. The Houston Texans, David Culley was never going to be there long. Two years max, more than likely one year. To me, when he was hired, clearly the owner was on board with it. This was what they were going to do. They were going to get through the first year, and then they were going to hire, I don't know, a real head coach. David Culley's a good guy, nice guy. I don't think he has any clue what he's doing. He can coach wide receivers. That's it. I'm not even trying to be an a-hole. I'm just simply saying, like, I don't think it's weird at all that the Houston Texans fired him. Now, who they hire, I think we can judge them. But if they go out and get Brian Flores, which to me would make some sense, or get a real coach, like, I'll give them some credit. They couldn't get anyone to take their job last year. So if you couldn't get anyone that you wanted, you do what they did. Now, you need the owner to sign off, and he clearly did. Luckily, these owners have so much money, it doesn't matter. But all these people get up in arms when these guys lose their jobs. Like, I just read Joe Judge. He gets $15 million to go away. These, are fir- these aren't first-class problems. These are the elite of the elite problems. And let's face it, most of these coaches ain't Andy Reid, ain't Sean Payton, ain't Mike Tomlin. They're a dime a dozen. I could close my eyes and go to high school practice and find a guy equal. Like, let's stop acting like most of these guys even should be in their spot. Most of them, if I was the opposing team, I'd send the fucking limo to pick them up because I'd want them to be on the sideline. The overwhelming majority of coaches in the NFL are average to below. Most guys are not Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Mike Vrabel, Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, Sean McDermott. Like there are 10, 12 really good guys. There are 32 teams in the league. Over half of them are easily fireable. Easily. David Culley was the least qualified. I guess, let me rephrase that. You could argue Joe Judge was the least qualified coach in the league. David Culley had coached in the NFL for much longer. But David Culley was a lifetime position coach. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think everyone acts, when you drive by a big building, there's only one corner office at the top of the building. 
People have to sit in the cubicles in the middle of every floor. Do you know what? Someone has to clean the toilets. Someone has to vacuum the floors. Not everyone gets the sweet roll. Not everyone's made for the sweet roll. You see this when you're like 10, 12 years old at recess. Yeah, you're like, I'm not going to be a quarterback. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Brian is. And then that guy ends up being your high school quarterback. You kind of know, like it separates pretty quickly. And when you're 60, 65 years old, most of the time, you're not Bruce Arians. Probably got screwed. You should have been a head coach earlier. I'd say Bruce Arians, outlier. David Culley, David Culley, much more normal. A lot of guys in his shoes would have jumped at being a head coach, even in the worst situation, like the Texans were, because it changes economically his bank account. This is Wall Street now. It just happens to be the product is football. If he is, as Pelissaro owed $17 million, he never would have sniffed $17 million coaching wide receivers or quarterbacks. And that pays pretty well. Eight hundred grand, nine hundred grand, a million dollars, whatever. Like I, I'm not crying over any of these guys. You know who I'll cry over is like the intern who didn't have health benefits. But even these position coaches that get fired. If you're making five hundred and fifty gur and you've been making high six figures for years, like if you're not an idiot, you should be able to figure it out. And if you're at Cully's level, like one, you shouldn't have been a head coach. I feel zero sympathy for when you get fired because you knew what you signed up for. Whatever happened to that? You know what you signed up for. You think he thought he was signing up for Alabama or the Pittsburgh Steelers? Of course not. He knew what he was doing. That's why I would imagine the internet is more angry than David Kelly today. David Kelly knew he was hired. Now, listen, most coaches are hired to be fired. He just happened to be hired to be fired after a year. Remember when everyone ripped the Texans for hiring him? That's what it's just. I don't, I'm not trying to let social media anger me, but the reaction is just, and again, it's by all these writers. Do any of them know what they're talking about? I, I struggle with that. Do any of these people that cover football actually know what they're talking about? Sometimes I come to uh, to the conclusion they don't. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Firestone tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com to see their Firestone. 
test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, Middlecoff Mailbag. That is the time of the day. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. You guys know the drill. Slide right into those DMs and get your question answered here on the podcast from John. Hey, bro. Love your take on Cutcliffe today on Twitter, and it actually chilled me out a bit because you are right. I think you maybe meant Cully. Interesting that two coaches who performed their firing, who outperformed their firing, were black. It is consistent with the narrative that minority coaches have smaller margin for error. Your voice discussing the issue would be cool and potentially impactful. I don't know if impactful. Well, Brian Flores was fired because he didn't get along with his black general manager. They, the, the owner sided with the black general manager in Miami. So I wouldn't have fired Brian Flores. He won 19 games, but they, they had, you know, issues of not getting along. And usually the GM, his black GM backstabbed the head coach. That's kind of what it looks like happened. The Cully thing, Cully was hired to be fired. The Houston Texans job last year was the worst job in the history of jobs. No one would take it. David Cully was 66 years old, a lifetime position coach, was never going to be a head coach. Ever, ever, ever. So they hired him. Ever. <laughs> like the, And then they were going to fire him after a year when they could go hire another coach. Well, what if they hire Brian Flores? That's Casario's, maybe it's Casario's guy. I, I, I think it more has to do those. Like, I wouldn't have fired Brian Flores. But like, it's not like a white guy fired him. The black general manager like won that power struggle. And in the Texans, he was literally hired to last a year, maybe two. It was not, it was mocked when David Culley was hired. Mocked by media people. How you hired David Culley? You guys are terrible. The Texans, Casario, Easterby. They, they literally hired him to fire him a little bit later. So I, I actually think that the Miami thing and I know race came up with Brian Flores. The general manager was a black guy who backstabbed Flores. Like, it's not really debatable. And and Cully, I cannot, I, I just talked about it. Like, I'm not, I don't have anything else to say on Cully. Here's a question for the bag. How much say do you think players get on new coaching hires, if any at all? Absolutely zero. I think they have zero say. Unless you're like Tom Brady or, and obviously, he never would have. I mean, he had Belichick the whole time, but Rodgers didn't. Uh, yeah, they, they don't. This, is, uh, this isn't the NBA. No golf podcast this week? No. You know, I got <clears throat> my voice is messed up. Got a little Omicron, so uh, we'll be back back at it next week. Working on some, uh, some cool stuff, some, some visuals, some graphics. Might have just put together a little Instagram account. Uh, other than that, 
Let's rock and roll. Hey, John, my thoughts on the Raiders coaching search is, in my opinion, if Rich can come out on top of the Bengals, I believe he should be offered a one-year prove-it deal. Like many players, I think it's worth the gamble. What are your thoughts? I think it's harder to do that with coaches because coaches, you know, are establishing multi-years, drafting players, scheme stuff. I saw Lock and Fora, and you never know with Lock and Fora, uh, wrote that Mike Mayock's on shaky ground, which I had heard last year during the draft that Mike Mayock was going to get fired. I guess it would have been la- it would have been this spring. I thought Mike Mayock was going to get fired this spring. So th- there have been a lot of iffy picks. Now, were they Gruden's picks? Were they Mayock's picks? Hard to know unless you're in the building. But yeah, I mean, I, I think there are a lot of moving parts and pieces in Vegas. I don't think anyone's safe, win or lose Saturday. But winning, I'd say Derek Carr <laughs> is making himself pretty safe. Please address on the podcast. What's up, man? Fan of the show. Everyone's talking about whether or not Roger stays in Green Bay, and I don't think they're addressing the elephant in the room. Matt LaFleur's decision-making and inability in the playoffs. How likely is it that Rodgers hasn't he been to back-to-back NFC Championship games? Is Rodgers out of Green Bay if LaFleur makes another horrendous co- coaching decision like he did last year, kicking the field goal down eight? I think. Yeah, I don't know. what was. Were they down eight or were they down... S- Side note, LaFleur doesn't get enough criticism for one of the worst coaching decisions in recent memory. I think he got pretty fairly blasted last year for that, for kicking that field goal. If I remember correctly, Rodgers wasn't exactly perfect in that game. And on third down, he missed a guy. I'm not, and listen, I would rather have Rodgers than LaFleur, but uh, I hear you. I mean, I I think there's a lot of pressure on LaFleur and Rodgers these next couple weeks. There's a ton. And we'll have to see who they play once this weekend plays out. And I would say they have more pressure on them than any team because of the pending Will Rogers demand a trade. So I I think all eyes are going to be on Green Bay. To me, I'd pick them to win the Super Bowl, but I could be made an idiot back-to-back years. I listen... uh, Hey, John, love the podcast. I listen while I work landscaping. Really appreciate your takes. I'm a diehard fan of the new Chargers, and I disagree with parts of your critique of Staley. I am actually pleased with the status of our team. The loss to the Raiders came from five mistakes from multiple phases of the team. Yes, going for it fourth in our own territory was a mistake, but so was a muff punt, a horrible Keenan Allen drop, a bad P.I. call, 100-plus yards of penalties, and a missed field goal. As bad as these mistakes were, you need to understand this comes from a brand new special team's a complex new offense, still in the early stages of implementation. The offense, Justin Herbert threw like 37 touchdowns this year. It took Bree several years of cooking with the system to get cooking with the system. Justin Herbert dominated this season. Justin Herbert was a top five quarterback in the National Football League this year. An absolute badass. Like, Justin Herbert was sweet. The defense that requires more depth and experience in order to come together and young first-year head coach. It seems bad, but I perceive uh, the team will tweak some of these errors next year. Staley, blah, blah, blah. I love Colin's philosophy on manalytics versus analytics. Really, the analytics said don't go for it on fourth in your own territory. Staley actually went for it uh, with the manalytics because of the X factor is Herbert. The biggest problem is he ran it up the gut with a little running back to convert, uh, and we saw him do it four times in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, I just... I don't know, man. I, I I think that guy's a lot of fluff with that guy. I love Justin Herbert. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL. He's one of the most talented players I ever remember seeing at 23, 24 years old. The head coach, I just, I got a massive red flag on. Scottish fan here. You had mentioned you have a golf podcast now. What is it called? Looking forward to having a listen. If you're ever planning on visiting Scotland, happy to host you for some golf. Well, Nick, I appreciate that. The golf podcast is just going to be on this feed. So there's not going to be a separate feed. It's all going to be under one umbrella. Trying to keep uh, keep our hands on all the cash, you know. First, you need to tell your buddy Colin to stop calling Iowa the fake idea of college football. But question I have is with the Giants announcing they fired Judge yesterday, that brings now six head coaching vacancies in the NFL. Possibly, probably seven if you include the Raiders. 
what job is the most appealing and what job is the least appealing and why? I would say the most appealing, it depends. Or we, I would say as a general manager, the most appealing job <clears throat> would be the Giants. They are one of the biggest brands in football. They are at the lowest point, maybe in modern day franchise history. They have multiple top 10 picks. They have a roster that you can get rid of the majority of players. Again, the bar is so low that if in like two years you're competing to get a wild card spot, you will be viewed as a hero. So, and you get the picks. Now, as a coach, that's not an appealing job. That team sucks. They have no they have no quarterback. I would say an appealing job as a coach would be one with a young quarterback. I keep hearing Denver's a really appealing job. They don't have a quarterback. And sometimes you can just never find a quarterback. Ask Chris Ballard how that's going. It's very difficult. I would say the Bears, if you like Justin Fields, would be very appealing. But their cap situation and roster situation is in shambles. The Jag situation would be also very appealing because of Trevor Lawrence. The problem is you have to take orders from Trent Baalke. So in Minnesota, you have Kirk Cousins on the roster. I, I think most of these jobs are open for a reason. They, they need some work. But the one thing about great coaches, Bill Parcells made the Giants a great job. Bill Belichick made the New England Patriots a great job. The 49ers were a fucking laughingstock with Chip Kelly and Jim Tom Sula. Kyle Shanahan makes the 49ers cool. The Rams were a joke under Jeff Fisher, Sean McVay. So good coaches make jobs. I think if you're a good coach, you look at jobs like, I can change it. I can fix it. That's the way a lot of those guys are wired. Thoughts on Lane Kiffin being linked to the Vikings? I think he I think he would go if he was offered the job. I just don't think they're going to offer him. I don't think Lane Kiffin's going to get offered an NFL job, but I think Lane Kiffin would leave Ole Miss yesterday. I heard he was trying to get jobs. Florida, Oregon. It's never going to get better than it was last year at Ole Miss. They won 10 games, which is a uh, school record in, in the regular season. He's losing his star quarterback. But, yeah, I just, I, I, I can't see the Minnesota, to me, if you're in Minnesota, like, I'd hire Doug Peterson. Just hire a real coach. Hire an offensive coach in the NFL. I enjoy your podcast. Do you think Brian Flores would be a great fit with Chicago Bears? Yeah, I mean, I I think they just need to get a tip physical, t- I think he makes a lot of sense. I can close my eyes and envision Brian Flores wearing Chicago Bears colors and the, you know, and the, uh, you know, the coaching outfit. Going up and down. They like defense. He's a defensive guy. He's a tough guy. I think that would make a lot of sense. They need a lot of work, though. They need a GM. They're in cap hell. They got some problems. Their roster is not great. They don't have a first-round pick because the Giants have it. Justin Fields better be good because they traded a first-round pick to get him. I picked up your pod on the Herds feed last summer and have been a consistent listener ever since. Appreciate you, buddy. I'm a longtime Jets fan who currently lives in New England and probably will be here for life. My friends from college are all Pats fans and love to rag on me and the depressing Jets. (laughs) They always tell me I should just give up on the Jets and start rooting for the Pats. I'm not seriously considering this yet, but should I be? The Jets have subpar ownership and the Pats always seem to make good moves. Why not just join the dark side and root for winning? I became numb as a fan a long time ago when I started working in, uh, in the NFL Really, the only team I'd say I'm a true fan of is the San Francisco Giants. <clears throat> I, I, I like the Warriors, but I didn't grow up a Warriors fan. I I, I jumped on the bandwagon because I remember I moved back to the Bay Area. I saw Stephen Clay and Draymond. I fell in love. I'm a fan. Like I, I would never emotionally tie myself if my team consistently sucked. I, I don't like misery in my life. Now, you got to go through bad years. Like if you're, a, for example, Seattle fan, like, yeah, you got to tough it out. But if you are just constantly shitty like the Jets and the majority of your life, your team sucks, I think it's fair to ask yourself, is this worth it? Do I want to tie my emotion to a team that statistically, historically has proven that they're going to consistently let me down? And listen, it's not even about winning championships. Can you just go win nine, ten games? Look at the Cowboys, for example. Yeah, they haven't you know, been to the NFC Championship game in 25 years, but at least they have every other year they make the playoffs. And they just have 10 wins and they have cool players. The Jets, I I would, again, you might hate me for saying this. I would abandon ship. 
Not saying they aren't deserving, but is it crazy to think that a team like the Broncos interviewing Nathaniel Hackett and Luke Getze has something to do with them eyeing Rodgers or Love? Yeah, I don't know if I, I can't. I have no clue. I I, I guess, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say you could put two and two together, but I also say you could just, they're just interviewing guys on successful teams, guys on successful offenses, and want to hire an offensive coach, even though everything points to them hiring Dan Quinn. So if the Niners get to the NFC Championship game, does Jimmy G still get traded? Thanks. Um, hell of a question. I would say Jimmy G could be on the comeback trail. You're going to play like you did at the end of that game and the Rams. You win a couple of playoff games. All of a sudden, Jimmy G starting for the Niners. Trey Lance. The uh, No one's ever traded three first rounders for a back a backup back-to-back years, but that's what it's starting to look like. Okay, that's I, my voice is giving out. Appreciate everyone. Have a great weekend. Subscribe to the podcast. Share it with your friends. Adios. volume Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch garage and the car inside and without the right home and auto insurance coverage the cost to repair this could eat up your savings so bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. 